0: You are listening to Studying Pixels, a podcast on game studies and video game culture. I'm Stefan Heinrich Simon, I'm a game studies scholar from Germany. I'm Dan
1: Hughes, a Japanese scholar from Texas.
0: And you can find us every Sunday on studyingpixels.com and wherever you get your podcasts. In God of War Ragnarok, which is the game that we're going to talk about today, (laughs) (laughs) there are fun little collectibles... And please do not worry, this is all spoiler-free, I would say. These are really like small optional collectibles uh, that contain poems. They are called Quasier's Poems, and as one is quick to figure out, they actually are references to other PlayStation-exclusive video games. It's really fun, yep. And, when uh, I realized that, I was completely flashed. I was like, wait, yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Hang on a minute. <laughs> I know this from somewhere. Yeah, this story sounds very familiar to me. So I thought we could start off our God of War review today, which is going to be the subject of the show. Maybe I should have mentioned that. By just uh, reading one of these poems to each other and then guessing to which game it might allude. Mm. Well,
1: I can I can kick us off because when I found this one, I was uh, I was very excited.
0: <laughs> so well, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. So this is this is one of Quasius' poems that you can yes. find in God of War, and it contains references to one particular video game. And I would encourage everyone to think along and give me tips because I don't know whether I will guess it right.
1: <laughs> and here we go. I think you'll guess it, knowing uh, knowing me as you do. So this is called Sanguinity, and it's Uh, It reads, A deadly tale of blood-slick misery conjured into being by I, Kvasir. Kill and die, wound and sigh, bleed and perish, slash and cry, inject and deflect, think and reflect, fire expire, murder infect, the moon grows crimson, the mad townsfolk shout, this city, a prison, carve your way out. The city, a prison. Carve your way out Inject and deflect is probably is the what gave it away to me.
0: <laughs> uh, this is this can't be I, I don't think there's any resident evil in there is there Mm-mm. Nope no re- and remember it, it's PlayStation exclusive. It must be a PlayStation exclusive. Could you
1: give it another read? Sure gladly. All right so this is sanguinity. A deadly tale of blood-slick misery conjured into being by I, Kvasir. Kill and die, wound and sigh, bleed and perish, slash and cry, inject and deflect, think and reflect, fire expire, murder infect. The moon grows crimson, the mad townsfolk shout, this city a prison, carve your way out.
0: Is that Bloodborne? It's Bloodborne, yep. Yes! (laughs) Isn't that great? (laughs) Oh, I actually, Uh, I didn't know that one. I didn't know that one. I I got
1: chills reading it the first time, especially like, because some of them are quite silly. But this one, I feel like captures Bloodborne pretty well.
0: (laughs) It does. Once I realized, like, I actually, I was thinking about it, but the Crimson Moon gave it away to me at the end. And I just wanted to, like, double check whether the rest of the poem also uh, fits with Bloodborne.
1: Well, when I first read it, I was like, inject and deflect. I was like, oh, okay, blood vials and parrying.
0: Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's a quiz for you. Another Mm. one of Kvasir's poems. It's called Trip. (laughs) You can already guess it. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll read it out anyway. I'll read it out anyway. (laughs) Alone yet together. Close yet apart. Our long scarves a tether cooperation an art speak without word quest through the land glide like a bird draw names in the sand well that's surely journey that is absolutely
1: correct isn't it great that we both had one that spoke to us for our particular
0: proclivities? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, there are also, there are indeed, there are very silly ones. There's a very fun one about um, Uncharted, I think. Yeah. I've, there's I, also, I, there, there's this very short one and great one about Ghost of Tsushima. It's, a, it's actually a haiku. Yeah. And it goes like this. The proud maple cries. A standoff makes three men fall, and the wind moves on. Which, honestly, if you've played Ghost
1: of Tsushima, that is such a beautiful, uh, just encompassment of that entire plot. It gives me chills reading it. I thought, I, we should say that these poems are just a few of the different kinds of collectibles that are available in Ragnarok, and they are all... Just, they're either fun or brilliant. <laughs> it's it's so uh, enticing to go around and actually look for the collectibles. I immediately wanted to look for all of them based on these poems that came up
0: pretty quickly. Yeah, that was exactly one of my experiences. When I started mm. uh, doing side questing stuff and uh, exploring around, then often enough you play a game and you look around the corners and then it's like always the same kind of um, repetitive and not particularly interesting pieces of lore or incremental upgrades. And to be fair, that happens in God of War as well. You get a lot of hack silver just to purchase stuff or some kind of <laughs> raw hides to upgrade things. But every once in a while, and frequently enough, you find a fun little poem or piece of lore that is actually interesting to read through and gives you yes. more understanding of the of the world, of the realm that you're currently traversing. So that I always felt encouraged to venture off the beaten path and look around each corner.
1: I think that's really the strength of this game that it's, it feels like a huge modern day video game, but also incentivizes you to really take it all in without feeling like it overwhelms you. So maybe we can get into that a little bit, but I, I think that you get a, you get the first poem from Kvasir very early in the game and it sets the tone for how the collectible collecting <laughs> will be going for the rest of the, uh, the game's runtime.
0: Now up top, I know mm. that God of War Ragnarok has gotten a lot of raving reviews and yes. even though we don't usually rate games in numbers God of War Ragnarok 10 out of 10 would you agree Dan
1: So of of the two of us I have finished the game and I've also platinumed it <laughs> Yes um you. and I did it with such ver- veracity and such speed because I was so engaged I think that setting the tone for our review, I will agree with the 10 out of 10. I think that this game, the things that, I, I can't even think of a thing that bothered me really. I'm sure it'll come up in our discussion, but in terms of how it wraps up this particular story, it deals with its characters, the setting, the collectibles, the worlds, every single piece of this comes together for me in a way that feels like nothing was left out of place and everything has a purpose and it's all leading towards this beautiful redemptive theme towards the end of it and it's something that i we've talked before on the show about games that make us feel like kids again this was one where i was so excited for it to come out it lived up to my expectations and i'm still thinking about it even though i'm playing other games now
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i'm not as far as you are i'm i think roughly i, I suppose like 3 quarters maybe Maybe mm. a bit in, in between half yeah. and three quarters, like around 60, 70%. So. Um, and I'm, I'm playing it very slowly. I'm, I'm doing all the stuff. I'm playing it on the second highest difficulty level. And I just, uh, like, I'm really leisurely playing through mm. Ragnarok. I enjoy it greatly. And I would also agree uh, with the 10 out of 10 assessment from my impressions so far. Uh, it seems to be one of the most impressive and engaging video games I've ever played in my life. And if I were to find something to criticize, I can. I obviously can look at this game and I can look very closely Mm. and I can say, okay, here's something that I don't quite like or that feels slightly off, but it's really something that you need to actively search for. For example, I'm just going to give a brief example of a thing that I don't really like, is that Mm. there is a realm in God of War Ragnarok where you can gain additional items by... Um, throwing your axe at certain flowers. And mm. when you do that, though, then the Benahme. item that you get, it doesn't appear where the flower is or it pops. It doesn't pop out of the flower. Instead, it appears where you stand. Mm. So you have to take a step backwards and then it's just like, oh, suddenly an item appeared on below my feet for some random reason. <laughs> uh, and this is really one of the only things that I can think of. And it's so minor and so insignificant. That I think I... it does warrant a 10 out of 10, definitely.
1: I, I think so. And I think that the key point is that some, I think when we review games, sometimes things stick out to us that are clear problems that we have. Like when we talked about Bayonetta three, for example, um, something like the characters being like super ridiculous that's you can't get away from that. Right. But I think with Ragnarok, just like with that flower example in Vanheim, you have to really want to go into it and think like, I'm, I'm going to find a problem with this. And yeah. that's a pretty pretty high commendation for a major video game like this, I think.
0: Exactly. Now, we're going to obviously go through all the different aspects and dive deeply into God of War Ragnarok, share all of our impressions that we have of the game. But before we do that, I briefly want to let you know that we have launched our Discord server. <laughs> the reason, this is actually, this was quite a surprise uh, for me as well, because the thing is, <laughs> We had been working on a Discord server for a while now, behind the scenes. We tested out several things. We set up several channels and stuff. We've been juggling around the idea for a couple of months, actually. And we wanted to um, launch it a little bit later, actually, uh, because there's still some things that needs to be set in stone. However, then Elon Musk purchased Twitter (laughs) and uh, set (laughs) his mind to completely ruining it. I was going to say, how
1: many how many future historians will say then Elon Musk purchased Twitter? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and
0: never anything was like it was before. <laughs> mm, it's it was so painful to see because now, at least in my uh, personal feed, in my personal bubble, I can see lots of people that are in- involved with video game studies, lots of students, lots of enthusiasts about video games that are saying, "Hey, um, it's sad, but." I think I want to leave Twitter and I don't quite know where to go. There is really, there are a couple of things like Mastodon and some kind of alternative I've apps. Seen but that. Yeah, yeah. They're, it's being thrown around. I don't know how good it is or how big it is. I haven't checked it yet. But we thought then hey, this is really the time. We need to do it now. We need to launch our Discord server because the purpose of this server is going to be to basically build a home base for all things game studies and a passionate engagement with video game culture. So whether you are an academic, like if you are an academic, a student, or someone who wants to study video games, then you will be happy that on our Discord server, we've got like a publications channel where we try to bring together all sorts of different websites that uh, are automatically scanned and their articles are fetched and posted in there as long as they have some kind of academic tie. Um, There's also the option to exchange a call for papers, if you are looking for contributors to an anthology you might publish, or if you want to write an article in someone else's book. There's a questions forum where you can participate and ask all your questions, whether they be related directly to game studies or more in the broadest range of research and apps and tools. So this is for academics. We've also got a whole segment for people who just, you don't need to engage with that necessarily. You can also come by and you can just talk about the games that you are currently playing We've got a news channel, which integrates things like Kotaku and GameSpot and all sorts of things. So, so you basically have a news feed reader there and mm. the discussion forum. You can post your screenshots, you can post your collector's editions, all sorts of things. So, and of course, a couple of off-topic stuff and, and miscellaneous things. We've even got a study with me channel, which we're currently really uh, like kicking into gear. It's not quite ready yet, but I think it's going to be ready soon where we will hold regular sessions so that you can study with one of us from the team basically just you know gearing up your focus trying to keep you motivated for like 2 hours a week or something so you can do some high intensity focus work mm. so these are all the kinds of things that we are currently already setting up on our discord channel and we would invite all of you to join if you want to do so it's absolutely no problem you just go to studyingpixels.com and there's a discord logo directly under our website I'll also link the invitation for the server in the show notes right here. So if you have your phone in hand right now, you can open up the show notes, just click on where it says uh, our Discord server, and you will immediately be taken there. No strings attached. We're looking forward to getting to know all of you there.
2: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom.
3: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
2: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: And here we are, talking about God of War Ragnarok, doing a comprehensive review of the game, First off, a disclaimer, we have received a review key by Sony. Thank you so very much for that. Of course, it doesn't influence our perception or assessment of the game, but it's just a wonderful opportunity because actually I was able to start a day earlier mm. prior to release, still haven't finished the game. But <laughs> it's, <just> so, <laughs> it, it's a long game. It takes a while.
1: It's, uh, I should also say that I played it on the easiest difficulty because I was so hungry for the story that I wanted to get through it. How was that playing it on the easiest difficulty? What was the experience like? It was fine. And I should say that there are a few, I I guess I should say they're secret bosses and their difficulty does not change basically. (laughs) So that was still a really nice challenge. Um, And I, what I liked about it is that despite it being the easiest difficulty, it still really rewarded you for optimizing Kratos and Atreus and Freya at a certain point um, with their different weapons and abilities and relics. One thing I, uh, just to say off the bat, we talked about this with horizon, how there's sort of like choice paralysis. There's so much to, to add to your character. I didn't get that impression with Ragnarok. I felt that
0: it was appropriately complex. Yeah, I didn't get that choice paralysis either, because Mm -hmm. you do regularly get new stuff, but it's usually uh, your your basic moveset and your skills, they are leveled up independently, and they are, for the largest part, very similar to what we already had in God of War 2018. So, um, familiar and very functional, and honestly, very satisfying, Mm. and the stuff that you can upgrade, while it is a lot, it always ha- gives some kind of specific tweak. So you can, either you you can experiment around, try on various different armor pieces, various different uh, weapon, like knobs for the uh, Leviathan axe, for example. Mm-hmm. It gives you different boosts, but you can also just, if you find something good, you can also just lean into it and just level up only that thing and you'll be perfectly fine. I like that. It doesn't force you to constantly switch through everything. You can, if you want to, but you don't have to. I felt also that compared to God of War 2018,
1: uh, it kind of incentivized you to stick with one of the weapons more often than not. There are definitely moments where it's fun to switch up, but in 2018, I think it was only halfway through the game that you got the Blades of Chaos. And so it switched up the playstyle quite a bit by saying you need to use this weapon on this enemy. And there's a bit of that in Ragnarok, but it really, if you want to stick with the axe, for example, you can maybe have a harder time of it, but you can do it more realistically. So it's, you kind of get used to your playstyle pretty well.
0: It is totally possible to button mash your way through. Uh, hmm. Ragnarok by playing on a, let's say, if you play on a lower difficulty level, if you say, uh, just hypothetically speaking, I know that would not be you, Dan, but if you say, I care for the story, but I'm really not a kind of person that would like, would like to be challenged, or likes to experiment a lot, I just want to basically more have a cinematic experience with this. You can set it to the easiest difficulty, go through with the basic move set, and you will be fine. At hmm. the same time, though, I love how it encourages this kind of experimentation. I... I'm only now really starting to get into the flow of combat mm. to a degree where I realize, okay, so I can I can throw the Leviathan axe, which is still one of the most satisfying experiences in video games ever, to throw yes. that axe and to call it back with Triangle, and he catches it which with such a satisfying, like, thum, to his yeah. hand, you know? There's a lot of weight and to it. There's so much weight to it, and it's so cool. And you, you can throw the axe at an enemy and freeze the enemy with it, and then you can switch to the Blades of Chaos. And then while the axe is still stuck in that enemy, you can start lashing away at it. And you know what I recently learned? I wasn't aware of this. The game never tells you that, I think. Is that if you, you switch the weapons by p- pressing the left and right button on the directional pad. Mm-hmm. If you hold the button, if I have the axe equipped and then I hold the left button to switch to the blades, then it will switch and automatically do an attack. Yeah. So that you can kind of keep in the flow of combos while switching through the weapons.
1: It's so, it's so satisfying and there's, there's a lot of weight to the attacks. There's a lot of variety that you can add in there. But what I like is that usually in, in games that have a ton of variety, there eventually becomes like a a path that you just default to. And I think that God of War Ragnarok is so balanced that you can, really spend time with the different weapons and get to know them and get to know their combos and get to know like <clears throat> the best way to uh parry and guard while you have a certain weapon at the ready it's so fluid and so intuitive in a way that i haven't really experienced in a triple a game like this i i don't think ever <laughs> it's it's so nice
0: it really is a huge contrast Coming from, I think Bayonetta 3 uh-huh. <laughs> to God of War, where of course these games are completely different, but uh, just as one small illustrative example here, in Bayonetta 3, it's also all about style in combat mm. and being like very fluid and switching through abilities, but it is very much gearing towards this, you know, it needs to be stylish. You get like, you know, your style points, very Devil May Cry esque, and so on, your combo points. In God of War, that's all of that is kind of, it disappears into the black box. The combat Mm. is more like um, geared towards, you know, you're fighting your way through and it's like narratively motivated, but it does have that element of style that just automatically comes into it. You are, if, once you get into the flow of it, once you get accustomed to the old and the new abilities, because there are some new abilities, then you really are performing a very vicious dance of gore yeah with throwing in throwing the axe uh whiplashing around with your uh, blades of chaos uh, performing some special abilities and then just shredding some enemies apart with a special finishing move
1: i don't know if you've had this experience but i had it a number of times and it was it was almost zen-like which is appropriate for kratos and i can get into that later but it was so exciting where there would be certain moments where enemies would be really difficult. And I would, I don't know if this was on purpose or not, but there would be something that I would, I would do where I would stun lock them. And then it would just become this beautiful ballet of just one attack after the next. And it, it really illustrates, I think who Kratos is as a character and how he's developed. Now, Stefan, you've recently played, uh, did you finish God of War 3?
0: No, I played no, okay. it like
1: halfway through. Okay, so, but you've had a lot of experience with God of War recently. Yes. And you, you can tell the character development of Kratos through the fighting system in this game, which is so great. And it, it was immediately apparent. And one of, I think, the shining elements of this game is that the combat really mirrors what's happening in this character's life. It was very impressive to me.
0: Yeah, I think I'm only starting to see that unfold mm. at the point where I am at. Um, but I can say that what I have noticed fairly early on is that, in comparison to God of War 2018, because that's yeah. the kind of uh, that's the highlight of the series so far that Ragnarok is competing with or that it com- has to be compared to. Yes. Um, the, one of the biggest differences is that they introduced a lot more enemy and boss variety. In God of War 2018, one of the criticisms of the game was, while it was really a fantastic video game, and still is a fantastic video game, that it can get a bit repetitive. And in Ragnarok now, they're switching it up a little bit by introducing a new kind of attack, which has like, you know, it shows you like two blue rings. And that means that you need to basically perform a shield parry because you can't block or dodge that attack normally. So they are just throwing in small new additions and lots of new enemies and a majestic amount of bosses and very impressive boss fights there.
1: So impressive. And uh, there's, I I should have looked into who said this, but there is a tweet that I saw that um, I thought was so perfect an encapsulation of how this game feels. God of War Ragnarok makes God of War 2018 look like a proof of concept. (laughs) It's, it is, because God of War 2018 is, I think, a very smart game. But there are a lot of, it's a, it's a fine game. It's a really good game, but there's a lot of repetition. As you say, there's a lot of setup. And what I really enjoyed about Ragnarok is that it was a very satisfying payoff to the point where every element of it came together as if to say, okay, we had these particular boss fights. We had these particular mechanics. We had these particular character traits. We're going to ramp them all up. And give them all a satisfying evolution in a way that makes this feel like not just a sequel, but a true evolution and continuation of what they did in 2018.
0: Yeah. You know, here's my last observation of the combat system yeah. before we go into the, the characters and the story, because that's obviously a huge part of it. The meat of it, yeah. I'm really happy with the measure of quick time events yeah. in Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> because especially having played through the first uh, through God of War one, two, and the first half of three, in recent months, uh, I must say that one of the most annoying things was the degree to which you had to hammer through quick time event after quick time event all the time. And I think in Ragnarok, I was kind of like, ah, more quick time events. We'll see about that. Ultimately, though, it goes to show that for these like smaller finisher moves. Mm, they very much keep it balanced. So you just have to click in the right stick and it will trigger the finishing move and you don't have to do anything else. You have exactly that gratifying feeling that you already could get in in a game like Doom and Doom Eternal where you pull off the finisher, you've got like a second to take a breath, to look around and focus on the next enemy, get ready for that next stage of battle. And yeah. I love that. I find that very beautiful.
1: I should also say, because I totally agree with you, Because, yeah, God of War, the original series is known for being kind of God of Mash, basically. Yeah. And I, I think from the very opening when, and this is not a spoiler because it is the first scene in the game, but when Kratos and Atreus are out hunting because Winter has set in and as they're heading back to their safe homestead, Freya attacks them. And from that moment, it sets up the kind of excitement that you're in for, the kind of storytelling, and also how quick time events are going to be used to elevate what you're seeing on the screen and not just attempt to get you involved. They are really, I think, the best example of quick time events I've seen in a long time where it felt satisfying to see one because it meant something was going to happen in the cinema.
0: It feels satisfying to see them, to encounter them, especially because you know that It's going to be that quick time event and Mm. then it's going to be over. Then I'm not going to be distracted all the time by quick time events, but I can very much enjoy the visuals of the action and the pacing of the action uh, without having constantly to look at like, Oh, where's a button popping up somewhere at the edge of the screen. It's always right there in your face. It's like, Hey, you've got to hammer circle now because it's going to be a a sequence where Kratos has to exert his strength for a couple of seconds. And then you move on with your life and enjoy the action. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's not the
1: infamous Resident Evil 4 quick time events where you're taking a sip of your drink and all of a sudden you're
0: dead. <laughs> yeah, or in, uh, in, in the older God of War games where it's like, now you got to hammer a trigger button. Then you got to take the the stick and turn it round at three hundred sixty degrees uh, yeah. clockwise, and then one hundred eighty <laughs> degrees counterclockwise. And, so, and you just think, stand on your head. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> what is this? Am I playing a Wii game here? Or what? <laughs> well, wow. narratively, you've said it already. The world is being ravaged by Thimble Winter. Mm. Um, as far as I understand, this is basically, this is a concept. This is like a, a long and intense winter uh, that leads up to Ragnarok. So this is really a game that has the apocalypse on the horizon. It is coming. Winter is coming. And, <laughs> and <it's> here. <laughs> and it's, it's here, actually, and it's going to come and destroy the world, the end of the world as we know it. And in this kind of apocalyptic setting mm. are caught up, of course, Kratos, the former god of war, uh, now traumatized father. And uh, Atreus, the son who uh, we know has some role to play in the context of Ragnarok. And I love the outset of the idea. We're not going to go into any narrative spoilers, so don't worry about that. Mm. But the onset of just saying... So Kratos is in a situation, Kratos is kind of the overprotective self that he is. He's seen so much blood and gore and war in his life that he just says, let's just, let's try to keep it on the down low. Let's make absolutely sure, be very cautious. Whereas Atreus is more like, he's curious, he's driven, he's 14 years old by uh, the time that Ragnarok kicks in. Yes. And he's he, a teenager. He,
1: he wants to know who he is and he's trying yeah. to figure it out. Exactly. It's,
0: Kratos it's something... is trying to figure out how to be a father, but Atreus mm. is also trying to figure out how to be a son and how to be himself, really. And I, it is a really
1: beautiful exploration of a father-son relationship in a way that doesn't feel cliche at all to me. There are moments in it where I felt myself saying, oh boy, we're going to have this story now. And it, it never was that, really. There's moments where you think that it's going to take a very normal turn for a, you know, a son growing up and trying to become himself. But what I really appreciate is that Kratos, because he's had, as you mentioned, all of this trauma and because we've known him for so long, the, the writers don't feel the need to tell that story again. And what I really appreciate about Kratos in this game is that he's fairly self-actualized. And he understands that he's overprotective, but there's a line that I really love in the game where it's kind of a throwaway line, but I think it shows how much Kratos has grown where Atreus says, um, they're talking about, you know, their, their futures, right. And that Kratos just loves to, he wants to spend time with Atreus before things change. And Atreus at one point says, they're talking about his strength and he says, maybe one day I'll even be better than you like jokingly and kratos responds if you're not i've failed and it's such a beautiful like oh kratos gets it and he's he's really trying hard to be a great dad and what you get the sense of with atreus is that he really is it's a beautiful story i think
0: i totally agree one of the big concerns that i had going into ragnarok was are they just going to continue to ride on that horse of being a dad game, basically? Right, It's right. all about, you know, being a father and how hard it is to be a father, which is a perfectly legitimate story to tell, but they told that story already in 2018. Hmm. So I was very happy to see that they are challenging this narrative trope from, from all kinds of angles. Uh, they are constantly undermining uh, my expectations um, by, you know, basically... Uh, flipping the concepts of good and evil on their on its Definitely. head, and by basically complicating the characters to a degree that I always felt invested, and I never felt like, okay, this is a story I've seen five hundred thousand times already. It's not like the most narratively ingenuity that they are displaying here, but the the story in itself it carries, it is driven by a fantastic set of characters, mm. and it is sufficiently compelling that I never felt like it's repetitive.
1: Totally agree. And I, I had the same worry that you did, Stefan, where this was going to be the trials and tribulations of dad of boy again. <laughs> and yeah. it really was a lovely exploration of the next step, which is who is Atreus? Who is, you know, he's struggling with the fact that at the end of the first game in God of War 2018, I should say, he sees a prophecy that refers to him as Loki, And he understands that he has some part to play in Ragnarok, but like his father, he's an outsider to this world in a lot of ways. And he's trying to come to terms with what that means and what his place is. And here's another thing I should say. A lot of the time in video games, when you have that shift from a character that we know and love to a newer character who they're fleshing out, it can feel... A little like you're being wrenched away from the the steering wheel, and you're being plugged into somebody else's story. You do not feel that way with Atreus in this story. I think you kind of the first time you switch perspective to him, you just immediately think, "Oh, I guess I'm Atreus now. Okay, let's see where this goes." And it yeah. it, it feels very natural and very uh, it 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 enlarges the world in a really cool way.
0: We should say, though, that Ragnarok is a very direct sequel to Ragnarok. Uh, Sorry, the other way around. Ragnarok is a very direct sequel to the original 2018 God of War. Mm. Because the thing is that uh, the story, it starts, I think, uh, three years or something after after the uh, 2018 game. But uh, there's a huge overlap when it comes to the characters. There's a huge overlap when it comes to the realms that you travel to and the mechanics that you engage with. So I would say there's really barely any point of playing Ragnarok without having played the 2018 God of War. You can watch a recap of the 2018 story in the Ragnarok main menu, but it just focuses on basically some main story beats. I found it um, not really representative of what the 2018 game was. So I would say, if you consider playing Ragnarok, definitely play the 2018 God of War game before, which is still a really fantastic video game as well. Agreed, agreed. Especially because I did watch that
1: recap, because often what you'll, <laughs> when they have a recap like that, it's fun to watch because it's almost as if you're watching, okay, what do the creators what are the creators telling me is important to know for this story and therefore what is this story going to be about? So I watched that under that premise, but it was very bare bones and I think it it's well worth playing the original first. And I think really it, it would be a great double feature as, as far as video games go to just play God of war 2018 and then jump directly into Ragnarok. Cause as you say, it is a direct sequel.
0: Yeah, I think there might be a threat then of uh, engaging or, or experiencing some fatigue when it comes to the central mechanics and the exploration and so on. Uh, I would probably be a kind of person that takes a little bit of a break in between. But uh, I think these two games they they follow so consistently, and um, you got the Kratos is a perfect example who consistently keeps developing from the beginning of the twenty eighteen God of War way into Ragnarok, and the events of the 2018 God of War are even reflected on deliberately. Just as a brief example, um, as a side story, something that's not too significant to the the main plot, there is a realm, Alfheim, and Mm. it's a realm of the elves, where the light elves and the dark elves are in conflict with one another. When you arrive there first in the 2018 God of War game, then Atreus wants to get involved in this conflict because he sees a profound injustice of, I think the light elves are slaughtering the dark elves or something. Yes. And uh, Kratos urges him not to do so. He says like, this is not our war. This is not our conflict. We shouldn't get involved. We should just do our mission here. What we do, what we came here for and then leave. Of course they do get involved inevitably and they influence, they tip the scales of, of this conflict. In Ragnarok, you come back to that realm and you see the consequences of your actions and you're inevitably confronted with it having to rethink and reprocess the potential injustices that you've caused or at least the way in which you have affected the ways of the world and having to engage with that in some form. Working through trauma is still a core theme of God of War but it's constantly actualized in new and interesting ways in Ragnarok I feel.
1: I totally agree. And there's a particular line from Tyr in that section, because Tyr, the the Norse god of war, does make an appearance in this game. Very important appearance. And um, he's journeying with Kratos and Atreus at that point. And there's a line that sort of says, Atreus is reflecting on that conflict. And he says, "Um, if I had to do this over again, I wonder if I would choose to side with the dark elves over the light elves. And then Kratos and Tyr kind of needle at him a little bit and they say well would you and he says i guess i don't know and tears says something to the effect of well if you don't know which side is right you probably shouldn't be involved and it's a really interesting perspective on basically what kratos was telling him but he's able to understand it now and heading back to these realms what i really appreciated about it was that because fimble winter is happening each of the realms is being affected differently So even though you're returning to these places that you went to in God of War, they're very different. Things have changed, uh, in the setting, in the scenery, the people have changed. People are worried about Ragnarok and there's all kinds of differences so that it feels like, yes, you're returning, but as you say, you're seeing consequences from your previous outing there and the world itself has been completely upended.
0: It's actually really interesting to see Atreus growing and learning because it might seem so simple to say, yes, you've got a rebelling teenager and a father that is kind of incapable or trying to just wrestle with his role as a father. That's the deal, though. It's like, you know, complex characters, simple stories, right? The the story in itself is a fairly simple one, but the characters develop in very complex ways. There's uh, Atreus, for example he's searching for who he is he's going through a kind of coming of age phase where he's finding out his role in the world he's like also engaging there're a lot of thematic ties to fate and prophecy and which kind of to which degree are you tied to your fate and i find that a very interesting parallel because it's really the quintessential experience of uh, growing up of being a teenager of rebelling against uh, your family and basically wanting to find your own path and at the same time you might realize well but maybe the path that i'm set on now is not the path that i want and can i even change and at the same time also it's not just atreus being like rejecting his father there's also a sincere understanding he's growing as a person as well and he learns that there are his father has also got reasons just like you gave in the example of the elven conflict for why he acts how he acts and and this is I think what makes it really interesting and really compelling story and dynamic.
1: I I love that they th- there's never the cliche moment of you know Kratos feels like he has to punish Atreus or Atreus feels like he he hates his dad. That's never that never enters into it. As you say they're very it's more complex than that. And I think that there's there's all these little moments that make up Ragnarok that speak to the greater theming and complexity of it um like how M- Mimir and Kratos have gotten very close <laughs> they're they're yes. they're like best friends in this game which is awesome and what i love about their dynamic is that they help each other understand their past by talking to one another and i think that in turn helps Kratos kind of come to terms with the fact that atreus is walking his own path and i have to respect that even though i'm deeply worried about him i have to let him make his own mistakes and come to terms with who he is and i think that even the kratos from god of war 2018 would have had a very difficult time doing that so it's it's cool to see that his interactions with all these people that he's met in you know the nine realms has really changed him and made him a better person
0: yeah and it's never just like a A linear or mundane thing it's always fleshed out to the degree and this is this is really fascinating I must say especially if you look at these older God of War games (laughs) how Santa Monica they managed to really turn that series into something completely different while remaining consistent in the theming of trauma and trying to work through the past uh, past experiences and dealing with the tragedy and the harm that you've caused it has changed it around from being such a, like, you know, uh, kind of Kratos being kind of like this annoying character who himself is more like, you know, a <laughs> rebellious teenager who, as you said, who kills his family. And then over time, he grows into this kind of different role. And I know this all sounds so ordinary. For someone who has never played God of War, it all sounds like, oh, wow, he's becoming a father. Big deal, you know? So many <laughs> people go through that. That's just how life is. But the way the story is told and the characters are developed, that is really uh, how the story is carried. And of course, we have to talk about Odin and Thor. We have to talk about Toby Ziegler as Odin. But before we do that, before we talk about Odin, shall we take a brief break? Let's do it, because I'm very excited to talk about Odin. And we are back with our review on God of War Ragnarok. And one of the standout characters out of a whole set of amazing characters is certainly Odin in this game, being played and voiced by Toby Ziegler, I think, right? Yes.
1: And I think he was, there's a story that he was uh, he was asked to do it by his kids, I think. It's one of those kind of stories where he wanted to be involved in a video game and what a fantastic casting choice. It
0: is. I actually excellent. have to look up something briefly so that I mm. don't uh, mess it up. Because actually, I'm saying Toby Ziegler here, but I think Toby Ziegler is not the name of the actor, but the name of the character that he plays in the West Wing. Because that's where oh, I know I'm right. from. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I know him from the West Wing. He's Toby Ziegler. I just assumed... <laughs> <laughs> he's just toby in my head that guy <laughs> yeah toby he's just toby let's yeah. just call him toby ziegler, it's toby ziegler. I, I don't want yeah. to i don't want to the guy who plays toby ziegler in the west wing who's yeah. an amazing actor and we don't even know the name <laughs> oh no oh. wait here it is i'm just i'm just googling it um oh no wait is odin in god of war ragnarok yeah but it doesn't say the the name of the actor <laughs> you know you share your impressions impressions of odin and i'll briefly look up the name of the well, so we can give him credit.
1: Odin is introduced, uh, pretty, pretty soon in the story and along with his son Thor who show up to the Kratos farmstead <laughs> or the homestead. And Odin is introduced not as a big imposing brute, but kind of a, a smarmy kind of understated character who comes in and is, you can immediately tell That his power is manipulation. He comes in and he finds a way to own the room. His introduction is such that Thor actually pours a glass of mead for himself and for Kratos as sort of a sign of peace. Odin comes in and immediately drinks both of them. So, at first, my thought was, oh, he's showing when he picks up Kratos's glass, he's showing that there's no poison in it or anything. He's he's you know being uh, peaceful, but. Then he takes a sip of both of them as if to say, these are all my glasses. You've come into my house and I've, I've entered your house, but the, it's
0: mine. Now. It's mine. <laughs> it's mine. Yeah. <laughs> and he got uh, this very, he's got this interesting aura. And by the way, the name mm. of the actor is Richard Schiff. There you go. Okay. Toby Richard Ziegler. <laughs> Toby Ziegler. We'll just call him Toby. Yeah. Now. So whenever we say Toby, we mean Richard Schiff, uh, AKA, AKA Odin. Odin. Yeah. So when Toby comes in, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> When Odin, when Odin enters a scene, then he always has got this aura of, um, I would say, a, 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 a certain charm mm. uh, that you just, you want to trust him, you want to fall in line with him, you want to side with him, because he's, especially in contrast to Kratos, who's this scruffy god of war, you know, you need to earn his, his trust, you need to earn his uh, loyalty, and probably even then he won't be loyal if you do something that annoys him, then he will slaughter you. (laughs) Odin, on the other hand, he's got this kind of very warm um, personality. Uh, He's very accommodating. He's very polite, very eloquent, very curious. Yes. He, I think, stands as such a fantastic foil to Kratos
1: because what's uh, what's so disarming about his entrance is that if you've played God of War 2018... Then you've heard stories from everyone in the game about how awful Odin is, how he's this, you know, horrible, despotic monster who's manipulated everything. He's, he sought out all the secrets in the nine realms to benefit himself. And then in comes this guy, in comes Toby Ziegler, and you are immediately almost in love with him because of the way that he talks. And it, the scripting, plays such a brilliant trick on you because at every point he's in the game, you question whether he's good or bad. And it, I think that's really the strength of him as a villain is that he is such a great foil to Kratos as a father figure, which we can get into his relationship with Thor and their relation, and uh, Kratos and Atreus's relationship. But he really does make you question everything, especially if you've played the other God of War games where you're primed to think of this guy as Zeus, the unequivocal bad guy who you need to kill. And that's not what Ragnarok does at all.
0: Yeah, the mighty, obsessed, all-father, mm-hmm. Zeus, who will strike down anyone who questions his power. Whereas Odin then comes in and is a more, much more gentle man who says, I've got no interest in conflict or war. I just want, as he says, quote, I just want answers yeah, and uh, end quote. I think um, that makes for such a compelling character. I haven't played through the game, so I can't really spoil anything, <laughs> of course. But to me, this dynamic of having a villain that you've heard so much about in the first game, but also in Ragnarok, yeah, you you hear so much about and you see the evidence of the terrible deeds he has committed, and then comes in this character and you question. Could it be that everyone is wrong? Could yeah. it be that he actually is nice? Could it be that I actually should be on his side? That is an experience that I have made before in real life yes. with people where you you know when, when people really caution you against someone because they've made so many negative experiences. Not just one or two, not just like, oh, he's a bit of a douchebag or something, you know, but... <laughs> hearing about someone who really is a a very, unfortunately, I should maybe say like a narcissistic personality, someone who latches on to others and who at first seems very nice and very kind, and you want to kind of invite them into your life. But if you do, then gradually um, things will start happening. They will kind of estrange you and they will make you dependent on them and such kind of things. Yeah. Um, That's the kind of sense that I'm getting from Odin. I don't know whether this is correct. I don't know whether this will prove to be true, but that's the intricacy, complexity of the characterization so far, like halfway throughout the game. I would say follow your instincts. <laughs> it's, I think
1: there is a there's a line, and I, this isn't a spoiler, but it's just such a, it, it's the moment that made me really recognize that he is the villain that, that um, everyone purports him to be. And it's a very subtle line, but it's so powerful to me. It's, it's when, so we should talk about Thor in this game. So Thor is a really interesting character in God of War Ragnarok because he is both Kratos and Atreus. He's a father who very much like Kratos is a tool who's been used by his father um to exact revenge like he's it's talked about that he killed all the giants on orders from Odin and you know he's this sort of rage monster just like Kratos and instead of a a character who has grown like Kratos has we see Thor is stagnated. He's kind of a drunk. He uh doesn't really feel like he has any worth beyond what his father tells him to do. He's basically Kratos if he continued to be the God of war that Zeus wanted. And at the same time, he's Atreus. He's a kid who is seeking approval from his father, the all father of all people. And he is set in his ways and he doesn't think destiny can be changed. He's such a great character. And the moment where I realized that Odin was truly a bastard is it's a throwaway line, but it's so clear and it it paints him as an abuser to his son, and to everyone around him. Thor comes in, and at this point in the story, Odin is kind of working with Atreus and calling him Loki and trying to figure things out with him, and he stands as a foil to Kratos as his father figure at that point in the story. Thor comes in, and it's not a cut scene. It's just a, a line that you can overhear where Thor says, I don't understand why you're doing this to Odin. He says this. I don't understand why you're doing this. I think he's, he's tricking us. I don't, I don't believe in what he's actually here for. And Odin just turns to him and says, you don't think you do. I liked it better when you were drinking. And the idea of a father telling his alcoholic son, I liked it better when you were a drunk. It's just like, okay, that's who this guy
0: is. He's a monster. (laughs) I I get it. (laughs) Wow. That's, that is really painful. And I must say that uh, I haven't reached that point or I might have missed it. Uh, Oh no, wait. I actually do have heard that. Of yes, course, I yes. have heard that, and <clears throat> there are also. This is not the only indication because I actually, when you w- started telling the story, I immediately had a different example that I'm not going to share now because we have one. Yeah. But there are several instances in the game where, um, if you play, pay sufficiently close attention, you can figure out very early on that there's something that there's something weird going on that you should maybe not be naive about the seemingly very charming uh, Odin character. So I I think that perfectly illustrates what we talked about before, that it's in general a pretty simple story Mm. that is developed with such complex characters that it keeps you interested and engaged all the way through.
1: Yes. And I will say the last thing about Odin that I think is so brilliant is that it's easy to write an evil character it is very difficult to write a sinister character. And Odin is pure sinister. And it's fantastic every step of the way.
0: That's cool. That's a very good disambiguation because he's exactly not like Zeus in the earlier games, where he's like,
1: I'm gonna clearly the bad guy.
0: You almost not like that.
1: You almost appreciate Zeus a little more, where it's like at least he was telling me what he felt.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's like very clear cut. Very, this is the bad guy. Go after him. Right. Right. Mm. (laughs) Ah, Also, one thing that Ragnarok gets right and that really earns it, it's ten out of ten rating. Studying pixels, ten out of ten approved. (laughs) Is that. Is its usage of humor. (laughs) Because uh, we know that, you know, writing a a dramatic story, uh, you can do that. It's perfectly fine. But it really shines when it incorporates humor so organically into it that. On, in one moment, that's, that is the case in Ragnarok really for me, that in one moment I'm like chuckling because something is so silly. In the next moment, I'm super intrigued. And in the next moment, I feel like such a heaviness, such a heavy sadness, Yeah, devastation overcome. For example, um, one line that I saw you had put down in the notes as well, It's I think well, it's very early in the game that I just found hilarious, <laughs> is that, um, of course kratos and atreus they've got like you know sidekicks who craft armor and equipment for them and when you put on a new set of armor and order new armor from them early on in the game then they say to kratos uh, what happened to the armor we've made you before and he says i used it (laughs) well well, make sure to take better care of this one then i will not
1: (laughs) it's such a great like uh okay That is such a perfect representation of the humor of Ragnarok where it's never, um, meta winking. It's always, it may have that intent, but it always comes across as organic to the characters (laughs) because as as gamers, we can tell like, oh, that's an explanation for why we don't have the armor from the first game. Right. But (laughs) Kratos comes in and basically says, I used it for its intended purpose. It is gone now. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. And the thing is that that's so great because as you said, this humor, it's not just, it's not breaking the narrative consistency. Instead, it's further developing the characters because that's yeah. exactly how Kratos would respond. And it is, it tells so much about the character that Kratos is that he just says, take better care of this one. and just says, I will not. I will not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know say, I'm I'm busy. I've got other things to take care of. I'm not going to care about that friggin' the, piece of armor here. The bluntness. is pretty really
1: great. You know, what's so funny too, is that as you're doing all the many side quests and you're exploring the world, there's this great flavor text and conversation that comes in between Mimir and Kratos and Atreus and Freya. And, um... What, what's a real testament to this game is that so many of the punchlines are Kratos
0: just saying no. And it works every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the banter. The yeah. banter that's going on. You mentioned it, it was flavor text and it is indeed. It's just conversation. The, yeah. This dynamic has been cultivated by, uh, I would say really by Naughty Dog and Uncharted <clears throat> and in The Last of Us. This idea that while you're moving around the environment, you're exploring, you're walking from A to B, and so on, that there's always something going on. There's always a story that's being told. That was already the case in the first game, by the way. When you're on the boat with Atreus, you're sailing off to another shore, then it will just be like, so what happened back then with this and this? You know, yeah. And then they start to have a conversation. And it's even very contextual. I actually, I am a person, when I play a video game such as Ragnarok, I leave no stone unturned. (laughs) I go everywhere. I open every treasure chest. And I I just couldn't help chuckling when I went through a specific area. And uh, there was one comment at some point where it's already like, uh hey the, the you know the way ways over here and then it's like oh no no you know my, my father he's he's super into loot he just likes to go around and get things yeah. <laughs> and then later on i kept doing that and then later on in the same area it's like hmm your father is indeed thorough <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i know the part that you're talking about there's also a line
1: i think in the same area where it's like hey why are you going that way oh there's a treasure chest got it
0: <laughs> <laughs> he likes loot doesn't yeah. he it's It's so cool because it shows that the game is kind of... It it doesn't just say, okay, so this is basically... This is the game on the one hand where you collect the loot and this is the character on the other hand. But no, Kratos is as a character (laughs) in this moment characterized as he likes to loot. You know, that's the thing that he does. He's been doing that since the first game. So (laughs) it's just only organic that they would pick up on it in some form. And
1: it's... uh, that's something that I really like that you, you showed there is that it's not, um, it's not separate. Everything is contextual and flows with the story to the point where the banter that happens is always in service of what the characters are thinking or what they're doing or things that they've seen before. And it's never, in my experience, it's never really like apropos of nothing where Mimir will just say like, Hey, I was just thinking about this. You know, it's always, there's, there's something that triggers it where they'll say, Oh, speaking of this, or Hey, while we're here, you know, it's always very fleshed out and interesting to hear and funny and smart and, and full of, I was going to say pathetic, but I mean, in the Greek sense, like it's full of pathos, most of these conversations it's, I, I envy the writers of God of War Ragnarok. Cause you can tell they put so much thought into everything that went into this game.
0: And it's really hard to trigger it exactly at the right moment yeah. to, to have things go like, as soon as you approach a certain point, they will be like, well, we'll finish this later, you know? And then yeah. they pick it up at the later point. So earlier we would, you know, and I find that so organic. It,
1: yes. Organic is the perfect word because the, the transition back to it is, um, one of the characters will just say, Hey, so you were talking about this earlier. Can we get back to that?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing is that this banter keeps on going almost constantly. It, it's not like to the degree that it's obnoxious, Mm-mm. it just it keeps on flowing very organically. Just like sometimes it's also perfectly organic for such a group of people when they're venturing around to be quiet for a moment and just walk or just, you know, jog through the area. Yeah. Um, what I also really like is that they use this very smartly to give you uh, clues. As to where to go, they shout out enemies that approach because you have the situation, as we said, the combat is very involved, it's very direct. The camera is very close to Kratos all the time. And Mm. while he's performing his vicious dance of gore, it's easy to lose the overview of where the enemies are coming from. So you've got like a small arrow next to Kratos that points to a direction and it blinks red when attack is coming. And also your companion might be like, to the left. Yeah. So that you know, okay, there's something coming, I better dodge.
1: My favorite was uh, Atreus, if if I wasn't blocking enough, Atreus would say, uh, Father, why aren't you blocking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a legitimate question. Yeah, yeah. Or, or Freya says at some point, like, you have a shield, don't you? Like things like that. <laughs> it's just, it's really, never feels obnoxious and it's it's just... Seamless, I guess, is the word. Organic, you yeah. used. Oh, seamless, yeah. too. Yeah.
0: One thing that I did, though, is I extended the time for clues when it comes to the environmental puzzles. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of things, and this is really part of the flow of gameplay, is that you, you've got, like, exploration of open hub areas, you've got lots of combat of, against small fry and against mini bosses and big bosses, and then you've got puzzles really, puzzles where you have to move some things around or you have to trigger certain mechanisms. Often each realm and each area has their own kind of uh, twist to the combat as well as to the puzzles. And if you get stuck, then your companions will automatically give you a kind of clue. They will say like, maybe we should try moving this over here, something like that. Yeah. Uh, And in the menu, you can extend that time because for me, it's often the case that sometimes I'm a bit distracted or I just need another moment to look around to see what is in the area, and I don't want to have the solution spoiled for me every time. Yeah. So you can basically have it as default, as extended, or even extended plus or something. So they really take a long time. That's something we should
1: mention too, is that uh, a lot of care was taken into the accessibility and set, and different settings of Ragnarok where you really can... That's another testament to it. You can play however you like, and it still feels like it's the way that it was meant to be played. You can change. I love that. Isn't it great? You can change um, so many different setting camera settings. Like it's sometimes you can even change if you, if you want to snap lock on to enemies or if you want to be pointed in the direction of the objective or all these different things that can either help you or kind of make the game a little bit more secretive for you. It's really up to you how you want to play it. It's impressive.
0: It's cool because they throw you into these accessibility settings directly at the beginning yeah. so that if you are someone who, for example, would like to have especially big subtitles or who would like to have visual indicators when instead there would be an audio cue normally mm-hmm. um, or a higher contrast, all of these things um, are completely available. They're shown to you directly at the beginning. You can skip it. I think that's like the best way to do it, to be like, yeah. hey, you know, it's a little bit like when you set up a new iPhone, and <laughs> if you don't press anything for a while, then automatically Siri will prompt you and will say, hey, do you want to be guided through the process with a, a voice? Yeah. And uh, then you're, you'll be sent into the accessibility settings. That's the way to do it, because as a person who plays such a video game and that might have a visual or audit, auditive impairment, you need to be thrown into these settings immediately
1: it's really cool to see and i agree with you i think the best way to do it is letting you know they're all there up front but not having you walk through it necessarily like you can skip it if you like
0: yeah uh, yeah. at the same time when you're being uh, thrown into the set up the brightness that's always something that video games do right until the logo disappears and so on and then you can either go into accessibility settings or you can directly move on yep It's a very thoughtful game in all respects. It's a very thoughtful game. There's so much to talk about still, and we have so little time. But (laughs) just briefly, I want to say that um, I really loved the various different realms that you visit in Ragnarok. Some of them are, as we've mentioned, the same to the ones from the 2018 game, but they're not recycled. They are always altered in some meaningful way. So it never felt like I'm running through the same thing again. And they are so different amongst mm. one another we're talking about you know huge um, icy snowy landscapes that you can explore we're talking about jungles about deserts about uh, all of these things like magical forests it's really beautiful and i found the beauty of the game the visual beauty the beauty of the sound yeah honestly this game with 3d audio which the ps5 supports or dolby atmos God of War is absolutely delectable. Yes. I'm an audiophile and I find it so glorious when you can hear, you know, everything you can in, in its in the various distances. You can you enter a cave, the voices get a little bit more echoey. You can hear the foot it's just oh my god, it's so beautiful. It really is. It's
1: I I think that the sound, the music is so you know what's brilliant about the music too is that there's the God of War leitmotif which I won't try to recreate cuz I'm not very musically inclined but there's the it's kind of the the sound that you th- the the little bit of music that you think of when you think about Kratos it is used in ways to temper your expectations to flip them to play with your emotions like anything Usually a leitmotif is there to indicate, hey, this is about to happen or this is about to feel this way. And in this game, it turns it on its head so often that it's it's so throughout the entire story, but you never quite know what it's going to mean for Kratos in that moment. It's really impressive. And I think apart from just the beautiful sound design,
0: the music is incredible in this game. And I want to add to the mix that uh, there are also lots of uh, settings when it comes to the visual fidelity. Mm. Uh, I personally, I played it on on performance mode with uh, the extra boost for frame rate. Mm. Uh, The game looks glorious, looks fantastic, and it's buttery smooth on PS5. I'm just simply stunned, I must say. And I would maybe round it off by saying that I would completely subscribe to the 10 out of 10 masterpiece rating of Ragnarok. I, as we talk about it, can't wait to jump back into it and continue my journey because I'm actually really enjoying this uh, flow of coming into a new area and there's a clear-cut goal that you can reach in order to progress the story. But at the same time, you also get all these kind of optional pieces of information you can explore the realm further they all have their history and the side quests as a last uh, last thought on the matter the side quests are so elaborate and so wonderfully written and performed that you can't really distinguish them much from the main quests there, no. there are of course there's some kind of like small collectible things such as quasir's poems where you just collect the poems and it's still beautiful in itself but there are also a whole lot of side quests that really develop the characters further, that tell you a lot more about their history, their background, and they are like fully void with cutscenes and everything integrates organically into the entire flow Beautiful. of play. I love doing them.
1: I, I think the last thing I'll say is I I agree. I think that the the ten out of ten is very warranted. I, I don't know how you get much better than a narrative uh with a narrative game than God of War Ragnarok. Um I'm. This is a game. Usually, with AAA games, I play them once and then I move on to the next thing. As I finish this game, I said I can't wait to play it again. And there are moments that I'm looking forward to. This is an early indicator that I knew I was going to say this was a 10 out of 10. When the opening is fantastic, but then there's an, there's another first fight with Thor. This isn't a spoiler. It, it's pretty telegram or telegraphed early
0: on, it's directly at the beginning, <laughs> directly
1: yeah. at the beginning. And there's a incredible moment in that fight where Thor punches Kratos and your health immediately drops. And I thought, oh, did I miss, we were talking about the quick time events. I thought, oh, did I miss a quick time event? But then as the game over screen pops up, you hear Thor say, not until I say so. And he brings you back to life and you start fighting him again. And it's, it's so like, it's an easy trick to, to do kind of this take you out of the game for a minute but man did it work on me
0: <laughs> it was so great the spectacle in this game is yeah. fantastic it maintains this one-shot aesthetic that they established in god of war 2018 we should mention so the the uh, the concept basically is that the camera is always kind of an over shoulder perspective and it moves smoothly in case you have a cutscene, it moves around the characters and always returns back to kratos or whatever playable character you're guiding at the moment. And and this is really cool. It goes throughout all the fights, even in the most visually spectacle fight, the camera will always kind of fly around Kratos and you will always be immediately involved in the action. This will be my last comment because
1: I loved this line. It was an exchange between Kratos and Mimir, I think in Vanaheim as you're questing. And Mimir says, um, you know, brother, I've been meaning to ask you, all of these uh, Greek plays, all these dramas, you know they're so they they're so slow they move so slowly you know why can't i'm just saying maybe throw another scene throw another place in there maybe you know fast forward a couple of weeks and kratos says we believe it to be more dramatic if it all takes place in one uh in one timeline that way you go from one thing to the next and it makes more sense that way and it's just this beautiful little like okay that's what we're doing with it <laughs>
0: Uh, Here's our raving review about God of War Ragnarok. uh, Masterpiece for sure. And I'm very curious to hear. I think when it comes to the game of the year debate, uh, ultimately, I think it's going to be Elden Ring. I do too. (laughs) But that's only because we say, uh, you know, uh, we, we don't necessarily have to reduce it to that one particular award. In case of doubt, it's going to be Elden Ring. But there is also things like, you know, narrative... Uh, mm-hmm. Game of the Year, stuff like that, you know, in different categories. And I'm sure that Elden Ring and uh, God of War will essentially uh, dominate, sweep, the, <laughs> they will sweep the, the, the game awards. yeah. <laughs> well, well deserved for both of them, I should say. Well deserved. It was a wonderful year so far. We still got a couple more weeks to go. If you out there would like to join the conversation on God of War Ragnarok, then keep in mind that you can do so by... Actually joining us on Discord, as Mm. we called out earlier in this episode, you can go to studyingpixels.com And you can hit the Discord button. It will immediately take you to our server Or you look into the show notes where you find that very same link And if you want to support us and help us make this show happen, then go to studyingpixels.com Plus where you can subscribe to our Plus program, get all of the episodes ad-free Get nice plus episodes and a cute little sticker with our mascot Pixel Coon on it. Thank you so very much for joining us and we'll talk to you next week.